Hey, it's host of the Hunting Guy podcast, Jeff Fuller. I have a wonderful business called Soggy Acres Retrievers. It's what got me into the outdoors. We did a TV show for nine years called Sporting Dog Adventures on our dogs. If you are ever looking for a Labrador Retriever puppy training or a place to board your dog, please check us out at SoggyAcres.com. Remember, everyone deserves a Soggy Dog. Podcasts have become increasingly popular over the past few years, and I want to thank you for choosing the Hunting Guy podcast. If you can, please give us a five-star rating, thumbs up, follow it on whatever platform you're on, and above all, share it with your friends. Thank you again for listening to our podcast. God bless. Welcome to the Hunting Guy podcast. This is a podcast that I've wanted to do for a long time. I'm your host, Jeff Fuller. I had a successful run on outdoor TV with a show called Sporting Dog Adventures that was all about dogs, dogs in the field, dog training. But what most people don't know is that I love big game and my favorite hunts were elk hunting, deer hunting, and upland hunting. So half of my show on outdoor TV was about waterfall. Got great dogs, they do great in waterfall, but I just never had time for it. Now I'm at the point where we've got hunting land and we are getting to enjoy ourselves. I'm getting older. I've got my kids in the field. I have great waterfall property, but it also is great deer property. So on today's show, I wanted to talk to you about three different topics. We're going to talk about how our deer hunt went this year. We're going to talk about the type of property that I own and enjoy hunting. And we're going to talk about tips for preparing your game when you are getting your your, your deer meat made into hamburger, what we do that really helps so that I think the food is more palatable. So again, let's talk about our deer season. And we had a great deer season here in Wisconsin, but it was very unique. The southern half of our state was in a drought and we own wetlands. Now the past three or four years, these wetlands have been incredibly wet. For many reasons, we had an abundance of water. We had a dam that was damaged uh, downriver from a river system, and they closed a different dam while they worked on that one for two years, so that held water on our property. We had a lot of rain. We had just wet weather, and it made it where you kind of establish a pattern when you're hunting of how you can hunt and where you can sit and what you can do. And this year was totally different. We had a marsh that where we normally would duck hunt was dry. So that meant that the deer were in that marsh and they had trails and they had spots that they were bedding that we hadn't seen before. So it was kind of having to think a little bit more on your feet when you're sitting stands as far as your wind. We get definitely got busted more on stands. But at the same time, there's just that many more deer in there. So it's, it's, it's going to happen. But overall, it was a really fun year. Now, I've got this strange pattern that I'm following on my property. I've owned it now for five years, so five hunting seasons. And so far, the biggest bucks that I've had on our game cameras, as well as I've seen when I'm on hunts, have been between October 23rd and 26th. So this year, on October 23rd, I'm sitting. I thought, I'll just try rattling. Rattling for me, it, it's worked a few times, but never a great thing for me to, to work in the past. Gave a rattling sequence, and right away, I see a buck at about 300 yards, about a 12-point buck. Nice deer. 
one that I thought, you know, if I get a chance, I'm going to take that deer. And then I saw an eight point coming across our food plot and I'm looking at him and I'm like, well, he's not quite what I want, but this is really neat. It's early in the season. I'm going to get a chance to get these deer in close and they start working toward me. I put my binos up and by the eight point, I look and there's this monstrosity of a beast next to him that was like a buck of a lifetime. This deer had at least 24 inch tall antlers. He wasn't wide, but he was incredibly tall, very unique, a lot of characteristics that you don't see on whitetail horns. And he was looking like he was going to come my way. So I grab my crossbow, I start to turn, and as I turn to where I think he's going to pop out, that smaller eight point, a two-year-old eight point, is now standing looking at me. I'm like, man, I am so busted. I can't believe I did this. Got myself in a bad spot. I just stood still, froze. Well, he eventually got bored of staring at me, decided I wasn't a problem, went and started to beat the hell out of a bush. So now I'm looking, I pull my binos up, I look. Now the I, I look back over to where the eight point is and he's gone. He's way over on a different part of the marsh, about a hundred yards away. And then I look and this, the big buck is coming. He's coming right to me. I'm excited. I'm like, this is awesome. He comes in, gets to about 25 yards from me. He needs to take two more steps. So I've got a good clear shot. He doesn't take them. He decides he's going to walk back over the other direction where he came from. I rattle again. I bring him right back to the same spot. And at this point I made a blunder. I decided I would pull up and see if I could get a clear shot at this deer through the limbs that he was standing by. And once I did that, he's staring right at me. My heart sunk and I could not believe I did this to myself. Ultimately, I made a poor decision, decided, you know what? I think I could sneak one through. Completely missed him. He walked away. I got to watch him for like 20 more minutes as, as he was out of range. And I never got a chance at that deer again. It was heartbreaking, but at the same time, we hunt in an area where our properties, our, I guess, goal is a deer that's in that 125, 130 range or bigger, which is a three-year-old deer by us. I know a lot of people wait longer. I grew up in hunting in northern Wisconsin where a spike was a big buck and you never let him walk. So when I have not shot many what I consider nice whitetails myself, the last thing I'm going to do is impose that upon everyone else. So we we, we made the decision we're going to shoot for three-year-old deers. That's our goal. Three-year-old deer. That's our goal. And we are going to be happy with that and just enjoy our property. So you fast forward to six days later. And the the, the night before this hunt, it was raining. It was supposed to rain until about noon. I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to get up and sit in the rain. The deer aren't going to move. It's a long season. So I set my alarm for five. Alarm goes off. I can. We've got a metal roof on our property. I can hear the rain on the metal roof. I look. Radar still shows that it's going to rain until about 11. About seven o'clock, I can't sleep anymore. So I get up. I go out, make myself breakfast, start drinking coffee. And I'm noticing, I'm like, it's not raining. But boy, is it windy. It is super windy. I was talking to my wife and I'm like, you know what? I better get out there. So at this point, I've kind of hosed myself. It's not raining. I haven't prepared anything. I thought, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to pick a stand that is up high, that is that has a pond right behind it where I will not get any deer back there. So my wind is not going to screw me up. 
and to to hurry because it looked like it was going to start raining, I'm going to take my Argo out and I'm going to drive right to it. In other words, I did everything wrong on this hunt. Went out there, got my stuff dropped off, get up in the stand. Uh, about an hour later, I've got a little four point that had been running around our property. I'd passed on him so many times. He's chasing does. Does would pop out. They kind of looked like a hunting dog where he's looking at him in the, in the swamp grass uh, like he's looking for a pheasant to flush. I'm thinking, this is going to be a fun day. It's just, it, it has to have the wind slow down. And then also, we've got a sand mine that is right on our property, uh, right off our property, where they have a rail yard. And they're filling these rail cars with sand. And I'm watching this and I'm like, you know what? The deer are not going to come out with those guys up there. There's like three, four guys up there. They got uh, dump trucks. They got uh, equipment. At about 12.30, I see one of the vehicles come down and leave. And I'm like, all right, cool. Looks like they're done for the day. I text a friend. I'm like, I, I think I'm set. I think it's going to be good. I just need the wind to die down. So the last little bit should be good. Heartbreak happened when, at the same time, about 10 minutes later, another dump, dump truck pulls in. And it was just a person that had driven in there to talk to them and then leave. They're still working. I'm looking at the weather. And I'm thinking, you know what? The last hour and a half, they aren't going to be here. The wind is going to die down. The rut's on. I'm going to get lucky. So I text someone that, and I'm like, hey, you know what? I'm going to put my phone away, but everything I think is going to be good this afternoon. I'm just going to have to wait it out. So I'll just read some sports or putts around on my phone or do something because it's just going to be a wait. There's no way a deer is going to come out. As I put the phone down, I look, and I saw a flash go across up by the rail line, and it was a deer. And I thought, you know what, that deer is going to get into this little woods and marsh that I got next to me, and hopefully it'll just fill up and they'll come out. Before you know it, about 15 seconds later, the deer comes bounding out of the marsh, and it's a really nice buck. It was an 8-point, probably 125, 130-inch. He's three years old, exactly what my goal was. At the time, I will tell you, I was very excited. I didn't know if it was an 8-point, 12-point, or an alien. I just knew it had a nice set of horns that were just outside his ears. He comes bounding around. I end up uh, getting a good shot on him. Shot him. It's always cool when you hunt in a marsh because you do get the advantage of watching the deer go <coughs> and a lot of times seeing him fall. Watch the deer fall. And it was one minute after I sent the one text saying that it was going to be a bit, but I should have a good night, to... <clears throat> and the next text saying, buck down. Again, you never know how your day is going to go, but you have to be out there to get them. I proved it by doing everything wrong and getting a deer. It was it was still it was a fun year for me on that hunt. Later, a few weeks later, I had my son Clayton was out. He ended up uh, getting a really nice deer, a little bit bigger than mine, off of one of my favorite stands. It was for us to get two deer that are that class or bigger is a great year for us. Again, I'm coming from where if you got a spike every third year, you were doing great up in northern Wisconsin to now having this class of deer. So it was fun. But again, what a learning experience it was for this year that we went from how stands were when you hunted to something completely different where... It was just it was just different because of the fact of the water. The other thing that I saw is I had areas that I thought would be dry that weren't dry this year. Literally, the 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 
drainage area in that area, the, 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 the rivers in our area were down three feet from the year before, but we still had water because some of this area just was so marshy and had, obviously it must have a bunch of uh, springs in it that it was still wet. So it's something where this year I started a journal up at our camp where I just write some stuff in it. I'd like to say I journal every hunt, but I didn't. Uh, I just write more of a generality of how the season was what the weather was like and how we did. And I have that in there so that hopefully, you know what, in 30, 40 years, someone will, someone from our family will be hunting the property and they'll look back and say, you know, when did we have something where it was really dry and how did it go? So it was a fun year. It was something that I'll always remember uh, helping my son, his deer, we recovered the next day without him. So of course, all the pictures are of me with his deer. Um, having the deer that I took, and then just overall the amount of deer that we saw. We had a lot of fun hunts. We had a lot of, I guess, busy hunts where we just saw so much. But at the same time, I also had hunts like our opening day of gun season. I would have thought I'd see 15 deer that day and I saw zero. The next day, I moved to the same stand that I shot my bow buck out of and saw 30 deer. You just never can tell. Every year is different. But I'm hoping that as we hunt these more, we're going to establish a pattern and figure out basically what is going to work and what is going to not work in a year. It's always going to be different, but for this year, it was a fun year. We're now done for the year, and it, 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 it's something that I always look back on. I can honestly say that I'm very excited about next year, but need a little bit of time off after the amount of times I, I got up at 4 a.m. this year. So that's it for the main part of this show. Next, we are going to talk about the type of property that I have purchased and that we hunt and why. And then we're going to talk about tips for processing your venison into hamburger. All that and more coming up after this. Preparation is the key to the outdoors. Mech Outdoors has a great line of metallic and shot shell reloading so you can set up your rounds the way you like. It's also a lot of fun to do with the kids. They have a wonderful clay target shooting machine that you can set up on your property and you won't get that dirty look from your dog or your kids if you miss a bird like I have in the past. Please check out mechoutdoors.com. Hey, this is Jeff Fuller from the Hunting Guy Podcast. If you are looking for a really cool idea, there is a crate company called DCT Kennels. They are at dctkennels.com. They actually make you a crate for your dog that is actually a piece of furniture. It is high quality, they're veteran owned, and they're made right here in the USA. Please check them out. I know we have two and we love them. Hey, welcome back to the show. I know my dream when I was young was always to own my own hunting property. And I will openly admit that I always had this idea of what I was going to own, which would be something that had ridges, oak trees, just that property where several food plots, that property that we always think of when we think of hunting season sitting on that ridge, watching the deer come in, working a rub line, working a scrape line, watching the deer feeding on acorns, just having that type of classic property. 
And wow, did I end up with the opposite of that. So I was looking for property, had a really neat, neat piece that we were looking at, didn't end up getting it, talked to a realtor. And he talked me into going up and looking at a piece of river bottom. And it was only river bottom. It was all marsh. Had small areas of dry where we can put food plots in, which we have. But overall, basically a cattail marsh. Great for waterfowl, but even better for deer. It is something that I think people overlook. People think of it as the fact that they want what I looked at as classic, beautiful property. But the reality is the property we did buy was about three times less than this other property. We paid between $1,500 and $2,000 per acre for our hunting property. We now have 300 acres, two different parcels. It is frustrating when we have high water, but at the same time, the quality of deer that I have on camera and that I see is, is, is phenomenal. And it is as good as my friends that have dry property. The beauty of it, though, is that you have the bedding area. So you're always going to see these deer. They're always going to be out earlier than you would see them, I guess, in the quote-unquote dry areas where they don't have it in our area because the deer are leaving from our property going somewhere. You can set your stands up accordingly and have a chance at many deer, in my opinion, that people don't see until after shooting or don't have on their camera until it's dark. So it's just, it's been a fun adventure where we have one parcel that's 190 acres and another that's 100 acres and just learning how to use them. We don't have a lot of trees, so learning and being judicious with our stands where you're going to put them, also hunting out of ground blinds, having these spots set up so that we can be successful, and then also having the equipment to get around. We have Argos. They have mud tracks on them. There is no way we could get around without them. It is just something that with the equipment and with the property we have, I have more than likely about three to four times the amount of acreage I would have if I had the what I would consider the classic quote-unquote property with what I always wanted. So it just gives me more options. It gives me bedding area. Just, it's been a fun adventure. And I can honestly say that I will always own marshland, albeit at some point someday I might try to get some drier land. But till then, till I have enough money to afford it, I'm going to always own marshland to hunt because of how successful we have been with it. It's also fun too, because you get that point where we get ducks in, you can duck hunt. So earlier in the season, if the big bucks aren't moving, we can duck hunt. It just gives you lots of different options. So again, when you're looking for your hunting land, don't discount that marshland, but realize also that you will need equipment to get around in it so you can still hunt it. But overall, it's really worked for us and been something we've enjoyed. That's it for this part of the show. Next, I want to talk about processing your deer and making ground meat from your venison. All that and more coming up after this. Our vehicles are everything to our family. 
we use them for our business, we hunt, and we just enjoy getting around and seeing our great country. We buy everything from Boucher Automotive in Janesville. From Ram to Ford to my son even bought a used Chevy truck, they have a knowledgeable staff, they give you great deals, and they stand behind their products. Please check out frankbouchercrysler.net or gordyboucherford.com. Boucher, they ride with you every mile. Hey, welcome back to the show. So we had very good success this year in deer hunting, and I wanted to pass along a quick tip on what we do with our meat. We get about half of our venison ground into hamburger, and I was at the butcher once. They told me we could either add beef to it or pork to it or just go with straight venison. I remember back to when I was a kid, I did not like when venison was prepared. It was dry. It didn't taste good. And it is something that, turn that around now, we basically only eat venison and other uh, critters that we, that we take in the field, with the main part being venison. I was at the butcher. They told me you could do a beef addition or a pork addition. They kind of sold me on cutting pork into our venison, and that is what we went with. It makes the meat have a, I think, a less gamey taste. It is something where I've got my kids and their friends asking for our hamburgers, which they say are the greatest hamburgers they've ever eaten. Now, I will, full disclosure, say that we do add things to our hamburger, but we'll leave that for a later episode. But overall, this year, when you are getting your venison processed or doing it yourself, try cutting some pork into it to see if you like how that makes the meat taste. I think that it is a great addition, and it is something that we do with every one of our deer. So I hope that helps you, and I want to thank you again for listening to today's show. I know there are a lot of options out there. Please, five-star rating, share it with your friends, follow it on any platforms, do whatever you can to help us promote it, and again, come back next week. We'll have another great episode here on the Hunt and Die podcast. Thank you again so much, and God bless.